He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Proverbs 13, 24. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I Hello, Faithful Fathers, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast. Super excited to be with you here as always. It is a beautiful sunny morning finally here in East Tennessee. I don't know something about my mood. Obviously, just uplifts when the sun is shining and the day is bright. Although I say obviously, uh, just funny personal window into, into my family. My grandmother prefers the gloom. She's like, she hates it when it's super sunny outside. Yeah. She's like the greatest Seriously? person in the world. She's, if you listen to an earlier episode, she's the one we named my newest daughter's middle name after Max. Like we love her completely, but she would much rather just have an overcast kind of gloomy wow. day. That's when she feels wow. most alive. She's like, when the sun's out, it's too bright. I have to draw the shades. Okay. so No way. So maybe not obviously for everybody, but for me, I'm feeling good today. <laughs> <laughs> you have heard laughing in the background. Uh, my co-host, Perry Hughes. Perry, how are you doing this morning? Brother, I'm doing fantastic. I'm wired like you. That sun shines and it lights me up, man. But in your grandmother's defense, real and I, there's a little overcast today as I look out the window. There's beauty. I mean, real authentic beauty in the layers of gray, the tones of gray in an overcast sky. I don't remember at what point in life I kind of realized this. Maybe it was in the uh, in the in the romantic or the lover stage as you develop as a man. But I just remember noticing the depth of layers in a gray, cloudy sky and just being awed by the beauty of that aspect of creation. So um, I don't know that I would ever say a, a gloomy day would be my preference, <laughs> uh, but I can, I can at least appreciate it. <laughs> Perry the poet. I like it. You're showing up. Showing up for the listeners this morning. Yeah, some people, hey, some people are made for Seattle and others are made for San Diego and it's what makes That's the right. world, world go around. So... Uh, excited for today's conversation. We're going to be talking about crime and punishment. Uh, maybe not really, probably not the crime part. And no, we're not talking <laughs> Hopefully about. Hopefully not. Yeah, we're not talking about Dostoevsky. <laughs> By the way, did you ever read that? Did you ever read Crime and Punishment, Perry? No, I didn't. Yeah, no. I I muddled through. It was I say muddled through. It actually was a really good read. It's just all of those books by Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. They're just so long. It just takes a long time to get through. But it was a really, really riveting book with a lot of. Uh, a lot of profound kind of insight, especially towards the end about crime and punishment. But that we're not talking about that aspect of crime and punishment today. We're going to talk about discipline and punishing our kids. You know, we, uh, last episode, actually, we just had such an incredible conversation with Rick Brewer. If you haven't listened to that, go back and, and listen to it. But he um, he talked a lot about sort of this balance between disciplining our kids, but also, you know, rescuing them, showing up for them, letting them know that we're there for them, extending grace in the moment when our kids need it, and yet also not enabling our kids, right? We need to strike that balance right. because we have to show up as their father and and be that disciplinarian at times. Otherwise, we enable our kids. And so, you know, I've been, just been reflecting on that that concept and thinking a lot more about it. And so we wanted to dive a little bit deeper on a slightly different angle in this episode and focus maybe a little bit more on that discipline piece. What does it look like to discipline our kids well, to punish them well? What works, what doesn't work? Is punishment always the answer or is there room sometimes for incentivizing them, right? The whole carrot and stick dynamic. Right. And so Perry and I are going to just sort of have that conversation, share what's working and maybe not working in our own families with respect to discipline. What does the Bible say about that? And so, so I'm excited to have this conversation, but real quickly, as we always do, any fatherhood wins from the past week for you, Perry? Yeah, I would say a big win actually goes exactly right along with our podcast topic today, and it is um, doing a little bit of incentivizing with one of my sons who just needed a little, you know, boost in terms of just daily tasks and accomplishments. And I was able to incentivize him into a five-week program, a five-week habit-forming program. We built a chart together. We got a big, we went to Walmart, we bought a poster board, and we bought some uh, prizes. I let him pick out some prizes. So we made this chart 
Um, we bought prizes and he has a list of habits that he must accomplish every day and that he is responsible for himself every day. It's not me constantly reminding him or his mother nagging him or, you know, whatever, but here's your list of tasks. And we wrote them down on the big poster board. And when he accomplishes all those tasks in a day, he checks a box off for that day. And at the end of the week, we drew out a little prize category and we pre-purchased these prizes. He picked them out. Nothing big, you know, just a two, three, four, five dollar prize. One of them's like a pack of Sharpies. One of them was a box of vanilla wafers, you know, I mean, different things. And at the end of the week, if he's checked off all seven days, he gets that prize at the end of the week. And at the end of the five weeks, uh, we've got a pretty big prize um, that he's really excited about and looking forward to. So it's pretty cool. I, you know, that goes along with what we're saying today. And that that's definitely feels like a big win for me. Uh, sometimes I get too focused on lecturing or disciplining or, you know, whatever, but we can kind of jump into that maybe some later. Yeah. But, let's, uh, we'll talk yeah. more about that later for sure. I can't wait to hear more about that. What's great is he's driving part of what is going to incentivize him. It's not you arbitrarily coming up with some things. I know he's been involved in that. And so he has something he's willing to work for, but I also know this is, this is probably a solution after coming at it from the other direction. That's why exactly why right. aren't you? Yeah. So yes. why aren't you doing your chores the right way? How come you're falling short in this area? You're punished because you didn't do X, Y, or Z. And sometimes when punishment's not working, that's right. now let's circle back and come at it from a different direction. So I can't wait to hear how this plays out. It sounds like it's going well so far. That is definitely a win. Good for you. Maybe let's uh, let's check back in in five weeks. Can't wait to hear on the podcast how that sort of wrapped up. But we'll we'll unpack that a little bit more. Uh, yeah, for I, sure. Well, how about, how about for you? Did you have any... Uh, standout fatherhood wins this week, big or small. Yeah, you know, I'd say the small it, ones are great too. Small ones are great. And and you know, it's as we talked about, there's no such thing as a small win. I'd say how I how I sort of showed up this week. I'm trying to strike the balance. Again, not to belabor the point. I'm sure sure listeners are probably sick of hearing me talk about my new newborn, but no way. No, no, but <laughs> in all seriousness, yeah, so it's what you talk about because it's what's going on in That's your right. life. But the reality is when you have a newborn sometimes it's hard to continue to give the attention to your other kids that they need. Mm. And so I'm really trying to strike that balance. And it's easy to fall into the trap of, you know, your your son, one of my sons will ask me to to just play with them or to do something. Well, you know, Declan right now, daddy's got to help, help with Revelyn or mommy needs daddy right now. So no, I can't do that. Or go play with your brothers because, and I'm trying not to just push my other kids off continually during this time. And so this past week I did a I think I did a pretty good job of carving out some one-on-one time with each kid, finding opportunities at times when they asked to actually say yes. You know, you know what? Actually, I do have 10 minutes right now. I do have to get back to help with the baby. My wife does need my help, but not in this exact moment. Yeah. She's nursing. She doesn't need me right now. Sure. Sure. Let's sit down on the floor, Declan, and I will build a tower with Legos with you for 10 minutes. And sometimes 10 minutes is all our kids need. He was so energized and like his cup was full because daddy sat down on the floor with him and built towers for 10 minutes. And then I was able to go back and help with the baby. And he goes off and is perfectly happy because daddy spent some time with him. I shot some shot some baskets with another one of my sons in the front yard. And, and I just try to do a little one-on-one with each of them, even amidst this season of busyness where I am having to give a disproportionate amount of my time to my newborn. That's amazing, brother. Great job. Uh, that fires me up to hear that. It's inspirational for me. I know that it is for the listeners as well. So, uh, well done. I appreciate that. And I've probably had to discipline my kids a bit this week as well. And I know that's something you're wrestling with. So let, let's dive back into that conversation. And yeah. before we talk about the how-tos, and I, I do want to talk mostly about the how-tos and what's working and what's not working and how we can meet our kids where they are and where they need us. I just want to start by talking about why it's important that we do discipline our children as fathers. I think it should be obvious. Maybe it's only, maybe it's obvious to me or maybe it's a false conclusion I am drawing, but it seems to me that a lot of the issues that we are seeing in society 
stem from children who were never disciplined well when they were young. And therefore, they have no self-control. They have no boundaries. They have no sense of obedience as adults, as grownups. And and there are a few scriptures I just want to point to. One of them is the quote that that I read at the beginning of this of this podcast, and it's obviously a profound proverb that most of us have probably heard and are somewhat familiar with, but it bears repeating. Proverbs thirteen twenty four, it says, "He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him." Yeah, and I think so often you hear from from parents sometimes that you know I. I love my son too much to right. spank him or her to right. to discipline to be overly disciplinarian with him. When Proverbs says it's the exact opposite. If you are not disciplining well, if you are sparing the rod, it's the opposite of love. You literally hate your son if you are not punishing in that way. And that's that's pretty harsh and maybe we can unpack that. Maybe you agree or disagree with that, Perry, but that's that's some pretty profound language and it puts a, a different spin on why discipline is necessary. But I think that's obviously a familiar verse perhaps, but I think there's some really powerful meat in Hebrews. So uh, I, just a few more verses that I want to read and then we can talk a little bit about it and then we'll, we'll get into the how-tos. But Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 says a lot about this. And and it says, you know, in, starting in verse 4, Five, five, I guess, five and six. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. So it's talking about the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he, the Lord, rebukes you. So God, God disciplines us. That's and right. don't lose heart when that happens. It says, quote, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. That's right. So discipline and love are connected. It's not that we love our kids so much that we don't want to discipline them. Quite the opposite. God loves us so much that we need his discipline. Uh, And it says he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Skipping to verse 9, it says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who have disciplined us. Hopefully that's the case. I don't think that's that's true, but this is what Paul is saying. We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Yeah. And to me, that really hits home. Our kid, we want our children's respect, hopefully. Hopefully we want our kids' respect. I certainly want my kids to respect me. They will respect me if I discipline them. That's right. They won't respect me if I'm just their friend. Does That's that make right. sense? And then, and then it goes even further in verse 11. So, res- so love is tied to discipline. Respect is tied to discipline. And then Paul says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. No kidding. No, you know, It's not pleasant to be disciplined, but painful. So discipline is painful, understood. Later on, however, it, discipline, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace yeah. for those who have been trained by it. So fathers, as you're listening to this, Do we want our kids to grow up righteous? Do we want them to have peace in their lives? Do we want them to respect us as their fathers and be good citizens ultimately as they grow into adulthood? Guys, those fruits stem from discipline. And so so I just thought it was important to settle there for a moment. This is an important conversation we are having. It, It is certainly possible that we are not disciplining correctly. Perry and I will be the first to admit that we don't That's always right. get that piece right. I don't always punish my kids right. I don't always strike the right balance. My discipline and my punishments don't always land. I get that. But at least I am trying because I know discipline is important. And I think I think above all, that's the big take-home message at the outset is, yes. as fathers, we need to show up and be a disciplinarian in their lives because of the fruits it will produce. We can't, we can't shirk that responsibility. The how-tos, okay, we can have a conversation around that. But the doing it, that's a non-negotiable. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly, completely on the same page. Love all those scriptures. And there's so much beauty and wisdom in those scriptures. And the reality, Brett, I believe is this. Lack of disciplining our children is really a shortcut. It's really kind of the lazy approach. And when you actually think about it, doing discipline well as a father, that's the hard work. 
you know, um, it would be much easier when I notice my kids misbehaving towards each other or breaking a little household rule or, you know, whatever it might be, having a little ugliness in their heart towards someone, right? The the easy path, bro, is just don't do anything, right? Just to kind of turn that blind eye. You know, oh, how many times I have as a dad have I been like, I don't I just I don't have the energy to deal with that right now. So you know what? Whatever. And I'm just gonna walk over here. I'm gonna pretend like I didn't see it. Well, that's the path of avoidance. That's the path of disengagement. And honestly, the work and the path of engaging in loving and tender discipline towards your children uh, is actually the hard work. And so to me, you know, as I look just generally broad sweeping brush at life, the hard path is usually the one that's worth taking, right? And so I think it's kind of this, for me, I've used in my own life, it's kind of a litmus test. Okay, which is the easy path and which one's the hard path? It's kind of helps me know like which one, it's a reinforcer on which one I should be taking. Which is probably why so many fathers and parents fall short because it is hard and it does take work and it takes forethought because the other thing too is it's easy to just not do it at all. It's also easy just to say, go to your room or just like you haven't really thought it through. You don't have a plan. Like, why is that the punishment? Does that punishment connect to the crime and so forth? And so I guess my first first question for you, Perry, and, and I'll share some of my thoughts on this as well, is do you and Nancy talk about how you're going to discipline your kids? Do you have parameters? What are some of the rules or guidelines or framework that you guys have established for punishing so that it's not just an off-the-cuff, random, I know I should probably discipline, let me just throw out some random punishment in this moment so I'm at least doing something as a father, but having it be a little bit more intentional, a little bit of forethought. Yeah. What are some of your guys' philosophies, so to speak, around punishment? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great topic to dive into. And I want to preface it with this because it follows up with kind of what you were saying right then. I see um, discipline and, you know, in that aspect of parenting, the goal is to respond to the child's behavior versus react, you know, and I, I want to live all my relationships that way. Uh, with my wife, with my employees, you know, with everybody, but especially with my kids. And like you were saying, if we don't have a plan, if we don't have some parameters, if we haven't set ourselves up with some boundaries in discipline, then it's very easy to get reactionary. And by the way, we've been there. I've been there. Oh yeah. I I have, yeah, I have reacted big time in a negative way with my kids. And it just, it doesn't work. You regret it. You have to go back and apologize. Yes. You have to yes. ask forgiveness. Daddy actually fell short in this. Yes. So it ha- guys, it it happens. We get that. But hundred percent. What you're yeah. saying, Perry, right, is is the goal. So so how do you guys do yes. that? How do you execute? That's that? right. So we have a few things. One is we never withhold love from our kids. Right. So we they can do something completely way out of line, uh, but we're not gonna we're not gonna in any way whether it be. Uh, verbally, whether it be, you know, physically affection, touch, a hug, you know, an embrace, whatever. Um, we, we absolutely will never, ever, 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 ever withhold love from our children as a disciplinary action. That is, we, that's a deal breaker. Don't ever, ever do that, right? Because our love is unconditional for our children. All right. So that's one of them. And then another is, if we notice ourselves getting too emotional or amped up, which, hey, guess what? It's easy to do. Our kids know how to push our buttons, right? I yes. mean, they, they they can do it. And so we kind of have this rule of if we notice ourselves escalating, we just, I just take a time out. Nancy just takes a time out. And we will even, if I notice her getting escalated or she notices me getting escalated, if we're in the same room, you know, whatever, we just kind of look at each other and go, hey. Do you, do you want to take us, you know, you need to take a little break there. You want to, you want to take a little walk away and come back to this. And we know that with each other, 
we don't do that out of uh, correction towards each other. We do it out of having each other's back, right? We're a team. Yes. Um, and it's important to, to be parenting from a team effort. Um, I know not everybody has that situation, right? I get it. But um, Nancy and I are blessed to still be married and still and be on the same page with parenting. That could probably be a whole nother podcast discussion is, well, how do you deal with when your spouse doesn't match up with your parenting or your discipline style? But anyway, we have that rule of if if I feel myself getting emotional, angry, irritated, and and attempting to discipline from that place of aggravation, irritation, reactionary, boop. Quick timeout. You know what, kids? I need a little timeout. Dad's going to walk around the house. Dad's going to do 50 jumping jacks, you know, whatever it is. And we'll come back to dealing with this, you know, when I'm in a better spot. And we'll say that plainly to our kids, you know. Um, so those are just a couple of like, just quickly off the top of my head. Do y'all have a, do you want to dive into those deeper? Or do you want to bounce back with a couple of additional things that y'all have kind of well, set up? As no, those are, those are great for, for sure. Uh, we, the withholding love piece is, is huge, not not withholding love. We right. we certainly do that on the back on the back end usually of the punishment. So after right. after the punishment has been explained and is starting to be enforced, then it is a a conversation. Hey, the reason we're doing this is because we love you. We literally yes. say those words. Do you understand? Yes. And we'll even ask them, why do you think we just imparted this consequence? Well, I don't know. Well, if you thought about it and you did know, why why do you think that we we do this? It's because we love you. It's because we care about you. It's because we want you to grow. And we'll even say, do you think it's going to serve you well in life to grow up undisciplined? Do you think it's going to serve you well in life to have anger towards those around you? No. It's because we love you. It's because we want the best for you. It's because we desire a good future for you. And God has placed us in your life as your parents. That's right. And it's our responsibility to do that. And it's out of and so we literally explain that. And hopefully that gets through. But but yeah. for sure, that is a big piece of it. Yeah, we do that too on the backside. And sometimes I even say to my kids, hey, guess what? It's much harder for me to sit down and and administer this discipline with you than it would be. It would be way easier if I was just like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Sorry, don't worry about it. Like I point out to my kids that I'm choosing the harder path because I love them, right? So we do that exactly just like y'all do and fully explain it and everything there. One of the things along the lines of what you're talking about, and then I'll get into even some more nuts and bolts specifics, uh, but is is explaining to our kids that when when consequences need to happen, need to be enforced. The kids are doing something that we need to step in and discipline. They need to be obedient in the moment without arguing, without talking back, without throwing a fit. So I, I joked earlier about it's easier just to send them to the room, but sometimes that's the first step. Sometimes it's like, like sure. I need to remove you, Ben, from your brother, Jackson. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. I don't know. I don't. All I know is that you guys are fighting, creating chaos in the house, this has to stop, Ben, go to your room. Yep. Yes. In that moment, Ben, it is not your, or Jackson, I'm not going to pick on Ben, Ben, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not your place to argue, to talk back, right. to throw a tantrum as you stomp up the stairs and slam doors, because that's just going to exacerbate your consequence. Oh, this is part of just teaching obedience, which is a, it's just a godly principle, right? We need to learn obedience, and especially with respect to your parents, honor thy mo- uh, father and mother. So they have un- they they have gotten to the point where they understand that. Then, and here's sort of the principle. And we talked about this back in the episode where we talked about Ephesians six four. Um, we do allow our kids to be heard, so they do understand that in the moment they need to be obedient. But there will come a time where I will come into the room. We will have the conversation. I will impart their punishment, but I will give them a chance to give their side of the story. So we are, and I haven't always been great about this either, but I am growing this area. My wife is growing in this area. And we understand the importance of at least allowing our kids to have a voice. It doesn't mean that they can talk back. It doesn't mean that they can be disrespectful in talking to us. We are the father. I'm the father and so forth. But I will hear them. And sometimes there are things that I just didn't know. I didn't see that. I sure. didn't see this and so forth and so on. So that's just another principle that we have is making sure our kids are seen and heard uh, 
Yes. To the extent that we can allow that understanding that it's still our place to to impart the the consequence eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love it. And uh, we do very much a very similar structure in that too. Um, another thing that we really focus on, and I think maybe this, I don't know, maybe this concept isn't as talked about um, as other things, but it's a, it's a, it's literally a cornerstone in our parenting and in our discipline. Um, and that is that we strive really hard to parent the heart of the child, to discipline the heart of the child. And let me unpack just a little bit about what I mean by that. We know other parents who's, and we have seen this with our own kids too, that verbally, when they get a correction, they the kid is way out of line, they've done something wrong. Verbally comes from the mouth a, a yes, sir. But everything else- Because they've been trained the to say that. Yes. But everything else about the situation is almost two middle fingers up in the air, right? It's just attitude. You can see, you can see through the lens of their physicality and hear through the past that audible, yes, sir, or no, ma'am, or whatever. And you can almost peer into the heart of the kid and the kid's heart is still like, screw you. I don't care. You know, it's this heart attitude of belligerence or disobedience or I'm not listening to you, a heart attitude of disrespect. And I think many, while it is important for our kids to honor us with their words and to speak respectfully towards us. And if we want that, guess what? We have to give it to them. We can't be yelling at our kids. We can't be, you know, belligerent towards them, belittling them, and then ask for some verbal respect from them. That's not appropriate. If you want your kids to respect you and you want your kids to speak respectfully to you, then guess what? You need to do that for them first, right? But the point is, it's easy to stop at the surface level. And if you get that verbal, yes, sir, or that verbal, no, ma'am, but you don't actually peer into the heart of your child and see what their heart posture is. I think you're missing the mark there. You're coming up short. It's not a, it's not really getting to the root issue. Right. And I believe that God models parenting our hearts towards us. You know, he speaks all throughout scripture about uh, how important the heart is. Right. And so that's one thing that we do. um, And one thing that we strive for is to, is to see through, you know, the surface and really find out what's happening in the heart of the matter. And sometimes I, as my kids have gotten older, I call them out on it a little bit more and say, Hey, I thank you for your respectful words, but I'm kind of getting the sense still in your spirit that you're kind of like, whatever dad, you know, and I'll, I kind of give a, my kids are teenagers and pre-teenagers. I kind of, you know, do a, a teenage voice of, you know, mockery, distaste, whatever they might be saying, and I will genuinely call my kids out on that and say, Hey, listen, I had a great explanation with uh, Liam the other day. And this would, could be any one of my kids. Right. But the most recent one is Liam is, um, I had a good conversation with him and I just said, Hey, Liam, it, it seems like you're not really buying into what I'm saying. And I said to him, maybe we need a little time out from this discussion because I'm not interested in having a discussion where on the inside, you're like, I don't care what you think, dad. And you're not open to learning. You're not open to change. You're, you, you know, you've put up a wall and on the outside, you're just saying nice things to me because you know, you're supposed to do that, you know? So we table, we pushed it off and tabled it for later. And we circled back around at another time when his heart was in a more soft and open to learning position. Does he come back to you? And, and how do you unpack that? Because this is this is really good stuff. Do you just ask questions? You, so you observe it. You call him out on it. Do you just say, hey, son, what's what's really going on here? Like, why, why is your heart right now so closed to what I'm trying to tell you? Or, uh, I mean, because I, th- I think of you know, and it, and it's one thing if if the child is just mad about the punishment. I, I've had this right. with my older sure. son, and he just he's just ticked that he's gotten in trouble. He is not happy with the consequence. And I remember one time he walked around just mopey for like three days. <laughs> you know, and and that's good. It, it right? is. I mean, it is good. But we had. But we. 
still had to unpack it. And I had sure. to help teach him in that moment because yes. we we had taken away what was most important to him at the time, right? He's he's really big into Rubik's Cubes and basically he lost his cubes for like three days. And so now he's sitting around bored, doing nothing. Yeah. And yeah. and his response, you know, and, and so, at some point I finally like, uh, I knew it was going on and I just sort of called him out on it. At some point I said, Jackson, why are you walking around like the weight of the world's on your shoulders? Because you took everything away from yeah. me. <laughs> and so we had to have a conversation around Jackson. Your joy and happiness in life cannot be tied to your possessions, your things, whether or not, you, you know, and, and you can't go through life literally only having one thing that makes you happy. Like if you're only happy, if you have Rubik's cubes to play with and the rest of the time life isn't worth living and you have nothing sure. to do and I'm so bored and I have nothing to do and woe is me yeah. as a preteen, blah, 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 blah. That's a bigger issue to unpack. And sometimes the consequences do open up the door then to have a deeper right. conversation. And I think he actually sort of understood that, resonated with that. He was a lot happier at day three when he got his stuff back for sure. But I did see him try to come out of his shell. Okay, I'll go play basketball, Dad. Good yes. point. I have other things yeah. I can do. I won't be so glum at the breakfast table because at the end of the day, it's not all about me, you know? And and that's that's the conversation I try to have with them. So how do you do that? When you when you see that, you recognize that, hey, I'm trying to discipline you here. You're closed off. You've got a bad attitude. You're saying the right words, but your heart's clearly not in it. How do you unpack that with your kids? I mean, typically we, like I said, we just try to take a time out, you know, and then circle back around to it later. Um, and I think I don't necessarily have one particular, okay, after 30 minutes, I go back with my kids. You know what I mean? There's not a formula for that really right. for me personally. Maybe other people are more formulaic than I am. I don't know if that's a word, but um, for me, it's just a, in the moment. Sometimes my kids circle back with me. Sometimes I circle back with them. Um, sometimes it it might go unfinished if I'm being honest. You know, sometimes it, it probably goes unfinished. Uh, but with Liam in particular, he's very much a thinker and an internalizer and all those things. And so I think because we've spent his whole life, 13 years, trying to pour teaching and wisdom and, and God's principles for the way of life into him, we've tried to teach him that verbally. We've tried to model that for him. I think he has a pretty healthy understanding of it, right? I mean, we're always lo learning and growing, but I think even if he hadn't, even in this particular instance, if we haven't circled back to it, I know that he's, you know, processing those things in his head because we've spent a lifetime of pouring that into him. Right. And if he was belligerent or obstinate in that moment, then nothing, nothing positive is going to come out of me trying to just dr drill that into him and, you know, you know, uh, force feed him that medicine. Right. Um, and so I think, waiting for the opportunity of a, a, an open heart or a remorseful heart or a uh, them coming into a position of receiving that wisdom, that's really the only time it's going to stick anyway. That's right. And it's important that we know our kids, that we've been there, that we've, we've been with them every step of the way. Because to the extent that we know our kids discipline also is different from child to child because what is going Absolutely. to land is different from child to child. I want to I want to talk about that some more, but I sort of want to preface it with one other just sort of how-to that we have really learned the hard way because we didn't always do it well. And I think it's a principle that may help other, other fathers. And, and Perry, tell me if you sort of agree with this idea that for us, in terms of our discipline, it's important that the punishment match the crime, so to speak, both in kind and intensity. And and what I mean by I we used to just again we sort of came into parenting as a lot of you know uh, we we were adoptive parents for our first two two children and they were already three and five years old. And so we we were really just sort of figuring it out on the fly, had no idea what we were doing. And and we would just throw punishments out there. Like you get a punishment and you get a punishment and you get a punishment. And, you know, 
go to your room, like go to your room for the rest of the day. Well, that actually yeah. is kind of really cruel to a three-year-old, right? It might right. be a pro- <laughs> so. So the intensity is off, and and why am I, you know, why is that the punishment? It has absolutely nothing to do with the infraction, and so, so you know, we used to basically just give the same punishment all the time. And for for our kids, you know, it was screen time. I think a lot of parents understand that screen time these days, uh, we we limit our kids' screen time in general. So it's precious to them. Like if you only get an hour a day on the weekend or whatever, uh, or maybe a couple hours on the weekend, but like if that's taken away, because that's all you had anyway, oh my gosh, that's like the worst thing in the world. But but I've even come to understand that just taking away screen time as the default punishment isn't always the best way to go either. And so what we've tried to do is tie the punishment to the infraction. And so I'll give you an example sure. because I think it's more meaningful that way. Although I <laughs> I have a funny story about that. I'll actually go down this rabbit hole real quick before I circle back to my story. I remember my, my brother growing up. Uh, so my parents, they decided, okay, my brother Lane, my youngest brother Lane, Lane, if you're listening to this, shout out. Um, he he said some words that he wasn't supposed to stay, right? So it's my parents' job to punish him. Yeah. And they decided to punish him in kind. And so they decided they were going to obviously give, give him hot sauce on his tongue, right? So if, if the tongue sins, yeah. punish the yeah. tongue. Okay, fine. So clever concept, good concept, biblical. So they draw Lane in. Lane's all nervous and scared. And they pour a bunch of hot sauce onto his tongue or whatever. And they're expecting this huge reaction and Lane kind of licks his lips and kind of, huh, that's, that's delicious. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Can I please have some more hot sauce? More yeah. That. So, so that totally backfired. Uh, did not, did not land the way that they had intended. Um, but that, uh, with that same principle in mind, you know, if one of our kids falls short and, and this actually sort of goes maybe back to the, the, um, the story that you told at the outset, Perry, which which sounds like you're doing exactly what I'm talking about, is if if the crime, so to speak, the infraction is is a result of lack of discipline, you are not following through on your obligations, you are not showing up well with consistency and discipline and doing your chores and doing your daily checklists of activities. And and I could either just blanket take away screen time yet again or yell at you or send you to your room or whatever. What if instead the punishment is something that builds discipline and instills yeah. discipline? And so that's what we've tried to do. We, you know, we have unlimited opportunities for that since we live on a small farm. So we'll say, hey, you know, Ben or Jackson or whatever, here's how you have fallen short. We view this as a lack of discipline in your life. Your consequence is you're going to go muck the stalls, you're going to weed the garden and clean your room. And when all of that is done with excellence, even if it takes you a month to do, then you can get your Rubik's cubes back or then yep, you can earn screen sure. time, you know, whatever it is, but you're going to do these activities first in, in the, in the attempt to actually build in them the character that will build fruit in the rest of their lives. Does it make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So yeah, sometimes yeah. that takes a little bit of creativity. It does. And it takes a little, it takes forethought, creativity. It takes, it takes anal- like analyzing the situation and it it certainly can't just be reaction right so that is that is intentional disciplining of our kids intentional training them up in the way to go versus you know go to your room reactionary uh, you know uh emotional maybe and and less developed less mature discipline, right? So there's, we mature as parents and, and we grow in our ability to father and, and discipline. And, and what you're talking about is in my eyes, mature discipline, you know, it's structured, it's, it's thought out. It has some parameters. It has some boundaries and it is, thought about in a way of going, how can, how can I best serve and develop my children through this tool of discipline, through this vehicle, through this avenue of discipline that the Lord has given us and modeled for us in our own lives. We're going to use this as a tactical tool 
to help raise our children into being responsible children. And one other thing too, that just comes to mind right now is that we often explain to our kids, we're giving you this discipline and we are expecting obedience and respect in this process because we're training you to be attentive to the Lord's discipline discipline in your life later when you're an adult. It's our job to get you uh, prepared for receiving his discipline as you grow up. And it's not, they don't just get the discipline from the Lord when they're adults, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, and so we actually pre-frame that for our kids now and say, well, God disciplines his children because he loves them. We discipline you because we love you. And we're teaching you to obey, even if you get an instruction or uh, a direction that frankly, you don't like, right. <laughs> because guess what, folks, sometimes the Lord will call us into things that we really don't feel like doing. I do not want to do that, you know, um, but it's uh, the most beautiful life to follow the Lord in his leading, even in the midst of things that we may not want to do. And so we explain that to our kids as well. Let's circle back to this concept of meeting each individual kid where they are, yes. knowing the heart of your children. Uh, let me ask this seemingly potentially unrelated question first. Do you guys spank your kids? What, what are your thoughts on spanking? Yeah, we spank them every day at the beginning of the day just to remind them. <laughs> okay. Um, don't get with out a, of With line. a belt or a switch? <laughs> belt or switch? Uh, both, actually. Yeah. One in each hand. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I'm totally kidding. We don't spank them every day. Um, and we don't spank them with a belt or a switch. Um, I did not grow up getting spanked with a belt or a switch. I grew up getting spanked with a wooden spoon. Yes. Must have been an uh, must have been an early '90s or like a late '80s thing because late, I did the '80s baby. Yeah, it was, it was the a wooden 80s. spoon. Yeah, yeah, it was a wooden spoon. And uh, I I remember one time we were at a family meal and we had invited some guests over and we're at the formal like you know dining room table or whatever. And mom is serving salad and she brings out the you know the salad serving spoons and forks that are these wooden things and my sister's like uh why is the paddle uh in the salad you know and they're like oh everybody was like <laughs> that is classic there, like, mm. <laughs> and my sister didn't at her age at that time had no idea that that was like a, a, a kitchen utensil to serve salad with she just knew it as the uh the the rod of discipline oh my gosh <laughs> so that is good times there but uh we we do spank our kids and i will say this um some of our kids needed one or two spankings and that was it. Uh, some of our kids took no spankings at all. They just took, you know, a look of disapproval. I mean, little Ruby, just tenderhearted. If my voice, I'm not talking about yelling at her. I'm just talking about a tone of, hey, you know, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Right. Or, hey, that was Ruby. That was out of line. You know, just a change in my tone of voice for her, man, it's, it, she has this tender little heart. It's a, that's a quick, you know, re, 180 readjustment with Liam as a young child. And we, we never would spank out of anger. Of course. If you're angry, you better walk away. You cannot spank your kids when you're angry because that's, you know, um, you're going to, you're going to be veering in, into abuse. You know, you could easily over spank, you could, you know, whatever. So there's never, ever get, get, uh, administering a spanking when I would be angry or fuming or whatever. Um, it's always out of calm. It's always out of love. It's always a physical spanking. And then a big, Usually it's tears and then a big hug and a love afterwards. I love you. I don't like to give you spankings, you know, et cetera. But, um, and maybe not everybody's going to agree with that and that's okay, right? But with Liam as a young kid, I'm talking about two, three, four years old. Um, maybe we didn't spank it too. Maybe just a little pop on the hand or something like that. But um, he would get belligerent. Hmm. After the spanking, he's like ready he, to fight you. Yeah, he he felt like he was 
treated unjustly. Okay. If we spanked him. And we had to learn pretty quick with Liam, like, don't spank him. We spanked JP and it worked. Let me let me His just so let me changed. just stop there and emphasize that point. Yeah. That's the key. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a similar story. You have to know your kids. What wor- works for one isn't going to work for the other. That's right. That's exactly right. And it it worked for JP. He's tenderhearted. He's the firstborn. He's a pleaser. He wants to do right in our eyes. Liam's second born is very strong-willed. He is an extreme black and white thinker. Things are right, things are wrong. And he, from, I mean, a profoundly young age, felt like we, no matter what the crime he committed, I mean, no matter what, how bad of a thing he did, if we spanked him physically, it was, I mean, this feeling of, you have wronged me as a human being. And we were knowing his heart, knowing his perspective. It took a few times to realize that that's what was going on. And then you stopped. Said, okay. Did you stop? Yeah, yeah. No more spanking Liam. Yeah. We don't we don't spank him anymore because he sees it, he feels it, he receives it as abusive. So have you found some so this is we'll come back to this. I'm gonna ask the question, but we'll come back to it because it's it's maybe how I want to sort of close. Have you found something that works for him though? We the main thing that works for him is is like you said, making sure he has a voice. Okay of the clear picture because no matter what with him even if he's done something wrong his mindset always goes to what the other person's infraction was and he always wants to justify it in his mind well he didn't start it or you know whatever um and so for him we've found that if we give him the platform to get that out of his mouth first then we can circle back and go you know what? You're you're exactly right that JP absolutely should not have done blah 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 or blah. Man, that was so out of line for JP to do that. Man, you're absolutely correct. Does that feel resolved? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's quit talking about JP for a minute and now we're going to focus on you. And now we're going to focus on some ways that you could improve and some ways that maybe, you know, you didn't show up in the the best way possible, right? And so we we give him that voice and then we circle back. And so with him, it's just, it's never a physical punishment with him. It's always, like you said, we try to match the severity and we try to match the topic with, uh, of the infraction with the punishment. So with him, it's just, it's just never something physical. It can be taking away something that he loves. It can be giving him extra chores or responsibilities. It can be all those things. Um, but, but yeah, it's not a physical punishment with Liam. So, but it sounds like y'all have a similar experience. Yeah. I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll reemphasize the question that Rick Brewer posed at the end of his episode. Again, go back and listen to the last episode where he said, you know, a guiding question for us as fathers needs to be, is this about you as the father or is this about the child? I had an experience early on. I talked about how we sort of fell into parenting and and I I hadn't even really thought through, do I agree with spanking? Do I not agree with spanking? We had tried lots of things with one of our children and, um, you know, it was like, okay, well, yeah, we kind of probably got to try spanking. So sure, that task fell to me and I had to muster up my courage all day long to do it and, you know, whatever. And I went in and and I'll never forget, I, (laughs) and he was prepared for it and just Part of his personality, his nature, he must have been literally building himself up for hours to not react. Yeah. To be tough, to not let me know that it hurt him, to not cry, to not whimper, to not do anything. And gosh darn if he didn't do it. So I I gave him three firm swats. He didn't budge, didn't move a muscle, didn't do whatever. And here's what happened in the moment. I had this desire to do it again. Like, I'll make you hurt. Like, like this punishment clearly didn't work. I will do it until the punishment has run its course. You will cry. You, yeah. But is that about me or is it about my child? And right. I, didn't, I didn't do that for the listener. I didn't do it. I did my three swats, which was what I came in to do. Punishment over. I took a deep breath. I stopped. 
I silently tip my hat to my son who had such good self-control yep. and so much right. so much courage. <laughs> I scooped him up, gave him a big hug, talked about it, left the room. I'm like, we, we just can't spank him anymore. It's like, sure. that's not going to work. That's not- Yeah, it's ineffective. It's, it's ineffective. That makes sense. And so it had to be something else for him. And so I would just encourage fathers, know thy child. Yes. And ask, is this about you and your need for some sort of what? Venge- like, why do you need to why do you need to hurt your kid? You don't need to hurt your kid. We need to get through to our kids. We need That's to, right. as Perry was talking about, figure out how to hit them at a heart level to where change because what's the whole point of punishment, right? The whole point of punishment in theory is to modify behavior, to influence a change of behavior. And behavior comes from a change of heart. And once the heart yes. is changed, then the behavior should flow from that. And so that's really what we need to connect with. I wish, I wish there were a way that that we could just know like which punishments are landing in which way with our kids. I'll, I'll ask you, Perry, and I'll start by telling a story about myself. You know, I think we have some sense, some sense of it, right? You've talked about. It's almost trial and error, though. Like what works, what doesn't right. work. It but is. we also, yes. our kids aren't telling us. Like Ben might have, Ben might have secretly in his heart been thinking, "Okay, I was tough in this moment, but man, I hope he never punishes me again this way because man, this really works. I don't ever want to be spanked again." Maybe spanking actually would have continued to work with him. You know what I'm saying? But I remember when I was when I was a kid, I must have been in like fifth grade. I was a good kid. I'm I'm generally a rule follower. At least I was was a very good student. I never got in trouble and stuff like that. But I remember one time, uh, one of the more dishonest things I did at that that age of my life was I just, I basically just deceived my my parents. I I had gotten a bad grade on a big report that my parents were expecting to to see the results of. They wanted to know my grade in this particular class, et cetera, et cetera. And, And I basically hid it for a few days because there was a, a skating party on Friday night. <laughs> and I knew, I knew that if I gave my parents the bad report, that probably would have been the punishment. Like you can't go to the skating party with your friends. Right. And I, I would have much rather just been spanked. Hey mom, dad, just, just spank me. As long as I can go on Friday night, that's what I really want. Right. So so sometimes it's a matter of like what really what really is working with your kids, and it would be so much easier if they would just tell us that. Like I'm sure my mom never knew that. The, I don't even know if she even knew that I gave it to her late or whatever. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this for deceiving you in, in the fifth grade. Um, do you remember any pun? Like what worked for you? Thinking back to you as a kid, how did how did your parents discipline you? Are you carrying any of that into your own fathering? And are there any punishments that stand out? This one landed. This is what worked with me. This is what di- didn't work with me. And the bigger question is, how do we how do we figure out what works for each of our kids individually? Sure. That's a great question. As I think back, I was first born, very much a rule follower until a certain age. But as a child, when we're thinking about, you know, a young child, physical discipline or taking away toys or things like that, as a young kid, man, I was like just toeing the line, you know, ple- parent wanted to please my parents, wanted to do what's right. And really it wasn't more until my teenage years that I kind of hit my rebellious streak of, uh, you know, deceiving my parents, getting into trouble uh, at school, getting into trouble, uh, you know, in the partying scene, you know, things like that as a, as a late teen. Um, But for me, we always got grounded. You know what I mean? Like that was the thing. Like, I don't know if that, it was a, it was a thing. All my friends got grounded. We never got grounded. Like grounding wasn't a thing in our family. I don't yeah. know why. No, that was uh, that was our thing. You're grounded, you know, and that just basically meant you can't do anything. You can't go out with your friends. You can't have friends over. You can't. And man, I hated hearing those words <laughs> of you're grounded. It so was that like, worked. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I did not want to get grounded. Uh, but for me personally, and this goes back to parenting the heart. You know, I still had some wiling out to do. I mean, I deceived my parents for, you know, multiple years. I made bad decisions. I skipped school. I dabbled in drugs. I did all these kind of things, alcohol. Um, I kind of lived those wild at wiling out teenage years. And some of that went under the radar, but I think there comes a point where, and going back to our conversation with Rick, and again, if you haven't listened, guys, go back and listen to that thing. It's really good. 
there comes a point where the parents are the main and sole responsibility for the administration of consequence and discipline. And then society kind of steps in and becomes more of that. Right. And so it, for me personally, in culmination, my junior year of high school, I got caught skipping school. I had a butterfly knife in my possession and I wound up getting expelled from school that year. Like you're expelled from school, knife on property, boom. Well, we contested it. We did all these things, whatever. I was able to get back into school, finish my junior year, graduate on time, all those things. But at some point at some age, probably it, it, it the balance shifts from all parenting discipline to some parenting discipline and some societal. And then eventually it's all basically societal based. Um, but the, the question to circle back to is how do we know what works for our kids? And I think the litmus test is a, do we see a heart change happening? That's one of the main things that I look for, right? It's not, I just don't, I don't want lip service from my kids. I don't want the right answer, you know, from my kids. It's like that story about the Sunday school teacher who's describing a squirrel and the little girl raises her hand. Well, it kind of sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. You know right, what I mean? That's what like, I'm supposed to say. That's what I'm supposed to say. Like, I don't want that for my kids. And I tell them, I say, look, I don't want you to tell me what you think uh, you're supposed to say. I don't want you to tell me what you think I want you to say. I want you to, I want you to say what you feel and how you're, you know, I want authenticity. So I think a, the litmus test is, is, is there heart change? Um, and then B, if there's a heart change, then we're going to see a change in action. Now, are our kids going to flip a switch and be perfect little angels in this one area all of a sudden, because of this one perfect discipline that we have? No, you know, it's, it's a process. It takes time. And so are we moving in the right direction? Are they getting more disciplined? Are they getting more compassionate towards their siblings? Are they getting, are they moving in the right direction of how we're trying to train them up and equip them to live in God's ways and through his path, right? So to me, I think it's just a constant evaluation. Is this working? Yes. Great. Keep doing it. Are they making progress? Yes. Great. Keep doing it. If the answer is no, we try something different. I love that. I think it's a good place to wrap up. I have one final closing thought, and it's along these lines of punishment isn't the only way to help bring about the change that we desire to see in our kids, that heart change, the change of actions. Sometimes it's punishment. Sometimes it's the stick, but sometimes it's the carrot. And sometimes it's just love. And sometimes it's speaking speaking truth and vision into the life of your child. Yes. In church this past Sunday, and then a story that just happened just yesterday as we wrap this up, my pastor was was talking actually about relationships and specifically the marriage relationship. And he was talking about how he was talking about what guys need in the relationship, what girls need, the women need in the relationship and so forth. But he was saying with respect to men, we don't respond well to essentially nagging. Like he didn't, he didn't use the words nagging, but like, we don't want to walk through the door and our wives saying, how come you didn't, you know, finish this project? You, you know, the, the faucet has been leaking for three weeks. When are you ever going to get to it? Blah, 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 you know, on and on and on and on. We we just don't respond well to that. Right. And he, he sort of made a funny joke. He's like, man, here's what you guys need to do. Women. When we walk through the door, just look at us. With, with some desiring eyes, like, yeah. boy, you looking good That's tonight. Right. Like, man, you show up well for our family. You've been working hard all day. And he's like, you do that? I'm going to be breaking things in the house just so I can fix them, you know? And right. yeah, anyway, he, so much truth in this that. is so much truth. And he was so funny. And here was my thought in the moment. Man, our kids would probably re respond to us the same way as well. Like, that's right. Do they respond to us constantly being on their case, constantly nagging them, constantly berating them, constantly punishing them, constantly finding fault in every little thing they do? And guys, this is me speaking to me. I, I did not do this well early on. I think I'm getting better at this, but I think I over-disciplined in the early years yes. as I was figuring it out. What if you do the opposite? 
what if you build them up? What if you encourage them? What if you talk about their strengths in certain areas? And and I did this literally just yesterday. I, I one of my one of my sons has, yeah, he just has some some issues of of discipline in certain areas of his life. He doesn't always follow through with excellence in certain things. Sometimes it's hard to get him to follow through on some of his chores. And so Perry, I might I might take some of what you're doing with one of your sons and you talked about early on and do that with him as well. But but here's what I did yesterday. He is a servant, man. He likes to make other people happy. He he likes to to do things for others. He feels good about himself when he does things for others. And I I just I just applauded him for that. I said, "But you know, you you you're yeah. so you're so good in this area. I love that you have a heart to serve others, to help others. It's just what a cool way to go through life looking for ways that you can do things for other people." I just sort of left that out there. And then last night it's it's trash night. And I noticed him go, it, it was his brother's week to do the trash. And he just on his own with a good, cheerful heart without telling anybody, he just went and did all the trash. That's cool. You know? That's awesome. So yeah. I don't have to punish him. I don't have to come down hard. Like create a, how can you create a desire in your kids' hearts for the right actions? That's Sometimes right. punishment gets them there. Sometimes yes. carrots get them there, and sometimes just loving words, affirmation, That's speaking right. the truth of who they are, and by the way, maybe who you want them to be, into their lives will help achieve the same outcome that you want so that you won't have to resort to some of the punishments that we have been talking about here. So I'll sort of just leave you leave you guys with that thought. Yeah, Brett, I love that. That's amazing. And then one more uh, reality that the Lord is just kind of stirring in my heart um, to follow up with those three aspects like you're talking about, punishment, carrot, and then speaking wisdom and, and truth into the future and, and just honoring and recognizing the kids. One thing that I, I feel like is important to mention, and maybe I overlook this too much, and it's certainly something I want to do more of, and that's praying for our kids. Mm, yes. Because the Lord is the one that has the capacity for heart change. And yes, he has given us the role of father to our children. And, and we are the hands and feet and the nuts and bolts of that. Oftentimes, right? We're facilitating that heart change. But ultimately, I don't have the power to change the hearts of my children. Ultimately, you don't have that power. The Lord has that power and we can do everything we can as fathers to steer them in that direction. We can do everything we can with our parenting to facilitate the most likely chance of a heart change. But if we're really honest with ourselves, at the end of the day, the actual change of heart is the Lord's work. And so I think that as a father, it's something I'm really striving to do much more of on a regular basis, daily time, praying for my children every day, praying for their hearts, praying for what I see them, an immediate need in, in, in a heart change or uh, a void that they may have and need fulfillment in. And then I'm also praying for future things, their spouses, et cetera. Uh, but I also want to get more in tune with the spirit and pray for their hearts just in the moments of parenting in the moments of fathering. Maybe I need to take a pause, you know, because I'm reacting instead of responding. And in that pause, just a quick little prayer. Hey Lord, reach out and, and touch Ruby's heart. You know, hey Lord, meet JP where he's at right now. You know, and and just really be more intentional and more diligent, more disciplined about doing the the work of prayer over heart change in my kids. So that's another aspect too. Well, there's there's profound truth there. I appreciate you sharing that and praying with them, not just for them, with them. There are yes. those opportunities. Yes. And I've certainly done this where, okay, it's time to go in and have the conversation. Let me tell you what the consequence is. All right, let's, let's pray together. Yes. Lord, be with us in the moment. Help yes. Ben, Jackson, Declan yeah. be more disciplined, patient, kind, et cetera, et cetera, yes. et cetera, uh, and bring them into that. And and it's, it's just a powerful reminder that Look, the same spirit that is in us yes. is in them. They're their yeah. own person. And sometimes it's we, we forget that, yeah, a four-year-old 
God's there for them the same way he is in us. And so it's a matter of equipping them, making them aware of that reality. They're their own person, right? You're exactly right. Everything we've talked about puts a disproportionate amount of the perceived power in our hands as fathers. Oh, if I can just father my kids correctly and punish them well and find the right recipe and the secret stew of discipline and carrots and sticks and the same spirit that is in us is in our kids. And praying over that and calling that out is huge. So no, what a, what a great way to end it. Thank you for sharing that. And we will, we will wrap this up here with that thought. So, so men, Go out, father your your kids well. We thank you for your time on on this episode. We appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Our leader, our listenership actually is growing, which we appreciate. That means hopefully uh, you guys are enjoying what we're talking about and sharing it with with other fathers you know who can benefit from a conversation like we have had here. Excited to bring other great guests to you in the coming weeks and months. Uh, and for now, we are Brett and Perry signing off for this episode. We'll talk with you again soon. Take care, everyone. Yeah.